This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Episode 80 coming at you from March 27th back in 2014. First up, cookbook author and grill master for Weber Grills, Jamie Perviance. He's in paying his first visit with Greg. Second segment today, something a little unusual. Pulled from an open segment, John Dawson, the original patio daddio, calling in, talking a little carabouda pork. Let's get right to it. Here is Greg and Jamie Perviance from March 27, 2014. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. My first guest tonight, a prolific book writer, one of the biggest and best grill companies in the world. His most recent book is Weber's Big Book of Burgers, as I am sure many of you partook in these over the weekend. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome first-time guest to the show. It's my pleasure to welcome Jamie Perviance in. Jamie, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. I'm great. Happy to be with you. Great. How you doing? Appreciate you making the time, and I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you asking. Um, sure. The new book, Big Book of Burgers, you know, last year I noticed there was a rush of burger books to hit the market. In 2014, however, you seem to be kind of the only big name out there taking on the subject. Uh, this year, as a prospective buyer or reader, what can one expect from this effort? Well, my hope going in, and I think that we've achieved it, is to create you know, the most comprehensive burger book out there that really captures the classics, you know, everything that you want in a burger book um, uh, traditionally, and then kind of surprises people and delights them with some interesting variations. Uh, you know, we're in sort of this burger renaissance now where we're rethinking what a burger is and what it could be. And so there are just a lot of interesting variations using all kinds of different meats, De- definitely, you know, turkey and chicken and seafood and bison and lamb and a lot of vegetarian burgers as well. Um, and then we've got a lot of side dishes, a lot of sausage and hot dogs, because it all kind of goes together with this sort of classic backyard scenario. So it's just a, it's just a really comprehensive look at where we are with, burger, uh, with burgers today. And, you know, in typical Weber style, every recipe has a photo. I think they're gorgeous. I'm a little biased, but I think the food's great. It's got a fun design. Just a great book. So when we talk about burgers, and I think when you say burgers, at least to my audience, which are, you know, the big fat barbecue and griller guys like we are, (laughs) we think beef burgers. So everybody has an opinion or a take or uh, their suggestions on how to really start out with the necessities of making a, a good burger. In your opinion, what do you think that you need to have in order to, to start out making a good burger? Fat. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Fat. I mean, it really is important. You need, you need really juicy meat to begin with. Um, fatty and, and also not compressed. I think that's one mistake that people make is they get this stuff. Usually it's in a little 
styrofoam tray and it's packed in there like sausage meat. Yep. And that stuff is never going to be loose and tender like a, a burger should be. So, you know, freshly ground if you can, but if you can't get it freshly ground, at least try to find the package that looks like, you know, you can actually see some texture in it. You can see a little bit of the, the grain of the meat, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, you need some technique, obviously. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of, you know, focus on that in the book. But basically, you know, a couple of mistakes that people typically make is that they they make the burgers too fat, for one thing. Um, I like them about three-quarters of an inch thick because I like that sort of ideal contrast between a nice crust on the outside, a little char, a little, uh, you know, caramelized meat, and then this really juicy stuff in the center. And if the thing is too fat, it tends to burn on the outside. And if it's too thin, you never really get a decent crust on it. You need some pretty blazing hot heat. I like a good medium-hot fire. Um, and I'm a big proponent of keeping the lid down. That's probably a controversial topic, but I think it makes a huge difference. It, it keeps the grate hotter. Um, it traps the smoke, which is really important. And uh, it cooks the thing a little bit faster, too. So it, it tends to be juicier in the end. You're, you're always losing juice through the cooking, through the grilling. So if you can kind of get it on and off a little faster, it's probably going to be juicier in the end. So those are just some basics, but there's a lot more in the book. So, you know, you broach the subject of uh, lid up, lid down. Uh, dare I take us down the path of charcoal or propane? <laughs> sure, we can go there. <laughs> um, well, not surprisingly, I like both, um, and, and I really mean that honestly, and it I'm lucky because I have both, so I can kind of pick my grill depending upon my burger or whatever else, whether it's a steak or a chicken breast or, you know, the recipe. You know, basically the charcoal has more flavor. It has more smokiness to it. So if you want that in your food, then absolutely, that's the way to go. Then there's the whole other issue of, of just the experience of working the charcoal, which can be enormously gratifying. I'm sure a lot of the guys listening can relate to that, and I can too. I wrote a whole book on charcoal grilling, and it's probably my favorite to date because it's just such a gratifying experience. But having said all that, you know, there are times when you might not want a whole lot of smokiness in your food, and you might want, you know, the convenience of just firing up that gas grill. So personally, I'm, I'm glad there are both, and I don't see why we have to have one or the other. Are you a, a divot in the middle pusher guy, or is that kind of a, a myth? You know, it's, it works pretty well. Um, <laughs> I'm a little tired of it as a technique. I mean, it seems like every article that comes out on burgers shows this thing, and um, I've been seeing it now for 15 years or so. So to me, it's sort of old news, but it helps a little bit, um, particularly if the meat is sort of tight and it tends to create that sort of meatball effect where you get this dome. Um, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, is the, the meat itself and your technique on the grill. You know, flipping the burger only once, that's another big rule for me. Um, if you're flipping it more than that, you're asking for trouble. You know, it's probably going to stick and fall apart. Uh, you're probably going to lose a lot more juice that way. You're not going to get as good a char on the outside. So I'm a one-flip kind of guy. In regards to that uh, one flipping, and obviously I think people, especially the novices or, or the beginners, get into that 
uh, you know, they put the meat down on the grill, and then all of a sudden they're after it three seconds later with a spatula moving it around, breaking it apart, as you said. But I think there's kind of that uh, innate concern on their part that if they don't flip it 15 times, that it's not going to cook through all the way, or, or this is the only way to get it to cook evenly. In regards to that, do you shoot for internal temperatures? Are you cooked by time, cooked by feel? How do you tell when it's done? I cook mostly by time. Yeah, I mean, I've done this so long now that I can kind of just have an internal clock. Um, but you can use your watch, too. I mean, basically, a three-quarter-inch burger is going to take about eight or nine minutes. So you turn it after four and um, you can just look at it, too. You can tell. And you can touch it. It it'll fir- obviously firms up a little bit as it cooks. So um, I do all that. But if people are new to it, um, as I once was, I mean, there was a day when I was using a thermometer on a burger, and that's fine to do. You know, shoot for about 160, particularly if you're not quite sure where the meat came from. Um, but, you know, the irony is those guys who talk about having to flip it again and again because they're not sure it's going to cook through. That, if they're flipping it again and again, the lid necessarily has to be open, right? Right. So that's slowing down the whole process. Uh, so if they would just leave it alone, close the lid and let it go, it would be cooking faster and it would be better. One last question and- here before I let you go. And again, we're, we're, I know we're broaching all sorts of uh, controversial burger topics. I mean... You know, we'll probably get shut down by the internets here in a second. Um, I know people that will specifically go to a restaurant or, or maybe it's their own house, and they will not take a burger over medium rare. I mean, we're not talking about steak here, but we're talking about ground meat. Uh, do you have a aversion a to, to those people that like the, the medium rare burger? Do you think that's like an unsafe thing? Uh, no, at a good restaurant where you know exactly where the meat came from and maybe they've ground it themselves. I mean, they're, maybe they're grinding up, you know, ribeye back there or, or, uh, or a brisket or something else. And so in a restaurant, absolutely have it any way you like. For the cookbooks, I, you know, I, I, I have to call for, for 160 because who knows where somebody's going to get it. They may go down to the you know, 7-Eleven and pick up something that's been in there for three weeks. So um, I've got to play it safe. But sure, you can have a medium rare burger in a restaurant. Absolutely. If somebody were to say, Jamie, I'm cooking burgers tonight, what's your, your favorite go-to burger? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm looking at a ginger scallion burger here, which is sort of a non-traditional burger. And again, that's sort of the emphasis of this book. It's, yep. it's actually a mixture of beef and pork um, with ginger and scallions, obviously, and a lot of other Asian ingredients, sesame and soy and and it's actually topped with a, uh, a sesame spinach, which probably sounds kind of weird to some people out there, but um, <laughs> this, is, this is sort of the, the way burgers are going. I don't think anyone is, is abandoning the classics, and I have you know the bacon cheeseburger with the guacamole and all that stuff, and it's fabulous, but I think the future of burgers you know, lies in this world of um, Things like ginger scallion with sesame spinach. It's, uh, it's really, really good. I had it just a couple nights ago. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. That Big Burger book is still available over at Amazon. It is a good book. There is no doubt about it. 
Hey, before we jump into the second segment today, are you following the Big Barbecue Central Show on social media? Much appreciated and very easy to do. Also, if you could subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast, that's also much appreciated. Find them on your favorite social media platform. All right, let's jump into the second segment. Here is Greg with John Dawson, the original Patio Daddio. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Oh. I don't know how to make it any bigger than that. I don't know. I'm trying to mess around with my picture. Can't do it. Uh, John Dawson writing in Ramps. I am watching Barbecue Pit Wars on Destination America, and I can't help but think that barbecue is the only American sport, air quotes, that occasionally requires English subtitles. <laughs> That's right, John. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. All right, let's race to the hotlines and calling in from the great nation of Boise, Idaho. It is Patio Daddio himself, John Dawson. John, what's up, buddy? What is up, Mr. Rimpy? Hey, well, I was just uh, telling everybody about your witty remarks on Barbecue Pit War TV. <laughs> oh, the Stumpmeister. He always kills me, man. Well, I think you have uh, the, what people would call an enigma because he is uh, quite the pit builder. Yeah, he is indeed, but the dude, I don't... I have to actually read the subtitles to know what the boy is saying most of the time. So. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, what is happening over in the Boise? Not a whole lot. I, I didn't have a, anything specific to talk about. I just wanted to call you up and thank you for all you do for barbecue. And I listen every week, and I don't think you probably get enough uh, enough appreciation for what you do. So I just oh. thought I'd take the opportunity to call in and do just that. Thank you, John. Appreciate you. Um, now, look, let me ask you a quick question, because I know uh, from time to time you're getting after that uh, pit barrel cooker, and uh, I have one of those. Uh, I get, let's say, four or five emails a week on that particular one, on the, on the pit barrel cooker. And look, for people to ask me, it's one thing, but uh, you're obviously a, a, a venerable food blogger, as it were. You've uh, been in and outside of that thing for a number of times. I mean, in your opinion, when you would compare it to maybe one you could make yourself or something comparable in the charcoal cooker range, uh, I mean, how good of a piece of equipment is that? Well, I'll, I'll just give it to you straight. Um, I have a WSM, an 18 and a half inch on my patio. I have a, uh, what I call black Betty old school, uh, smoke and pit Brinkman before they cheaped out and went to China. I have two uh, custom um, W or a uh, UDSs that I used for competition back in I think starting in '08. And let me just put it this way: the only pit I have lit this entire year and probably half of last year is though is the pit barrel. Really, really, wow! And that includes that includes competition where I took my very first grand championship. I cooked on two pit barrels, and that was it. And uh, so I'm, 
you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fanboy, and not because uh, I'm friends with Noah, but just because the thing. I mean, every time I go to cook, yesterday I cooked some three-inch monster caribouda pork chops for uh, Memorial Ooh. Day, and there was no question of what I was going to put them on. Um, so it's just it's just hands down my go-to cooker, and only because it performs, not because I'm getting any money from it. Just this is what I cook on. So. John, you, you broach a great subject that I, I want to hit on here, and this is uh, this caribou to pork. So, look, the, was it three years ago or four years ago or, or whatever the season one of Barbecue Pitmasters that everybody trashed until season two came out, and then it was the gold standard of Barbecue Pitmaster TV. But uh, Myron was uh, kept talking about the, the Wagyu brisket, and... More and more, I'm hearing caribou to pork. I don't think it's really hit the fevered pitch as uh, the brisket portion uh, or the brisket counterpart did. But, you know, as somebody who has a pretty seasoned palate and you've worked with a lot of meats, uh, what's like, why would I want to think about getting a caribou to pork? What separates it from pork chops? Well, uh, I'll give you just a, in the, at the risk of being a little uh, meatheadish on you. I'll give you a little bit of kind of history of how we got to where we are. Pork used to be the way caribou is now. And then the, that whole, the, the other white meat thing came out where pork was trying to compete with chicken. So they essentially bred all the fat out of the hogs and made them be white meat to the point where a pork tenderloin literally has at just about as much, if not less fat than a chicken breast does. So so everything is, I believe, has come full circle to where now people want to know, want to eat pork the way it used to be back in the day when I ate it as a kid in Ohio. And and caribou is just that. It tastes like pork used to taste. So I realize some people won't have a frame of reference to know what that is, but um, that's kind of how it was sold to me. Um, I've recently partnered in the interest of full disclosure with Snake River Farms. So um, they've given me some caribou, so... Uh, it's a little pricier. Well, actually, it can be a lot pricier, but it's it's old school pork. It's the best way I can describe it. In terms of like flavor, is it just more of like a, a richness? Um, is it sweeter? Like what are what are just some of the basic uh, profiles that jump off to you when you put uh, that in your mouth versus the the standard other white meat stuff? It is richer. Um, that would be the first thing that you would notice, and uh, that is because it has more marbling in it and it's just a you know i don't here's a tip anybody who's buying pork when you're in there looking at the meat case i don't care if it's caribou or just grocery store pork whatever it is the darker the meat the darker red the better it is pink pork is not good not your friend red pork is your friend so caribou is imagine the difference between white meat chicken and dark meat chicken and that is about the best way I can kind of put the rubber on the road and say that, that caribou to pork is almost all of that dark meat that you get like around the bone. It's just richer. It's, it's just juicier. It's, as you would say, more succulent. Ooh, succulent, so, yeah. Do you, uh, do, you, do you have to treat it any different on the cooking side of things, or is it the same no matter what? I don't treat it any different. Um, I haven't made any you know scientific experiments to see if it cooks faster or hotter or slower or whatever but it i just treat it like pork and um like for example those three inch chops that i cut 
um, from a, a prime rib of pork, which Oof. may sound kind of odd. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's seven pounds. It's got about seven bones in it. And I cut them double thick, you know, double two bones per chop. And they cooked on the pit barrel on the grate. I didn't hang them in about, about 45 minutes. So, um, they're, they're just, it's just outstanding. So it's one of those things you don't know until you try it, but I will warn people that once you try it, you'll be spoiled. It's kind of like going to Wagyu beef versus grocery store beef. It's the same kind of deal as you alluded to earlier. What are you looking at? Like in a, in, I'm sure you don't have like what regular pork per pound cost versus what the, what the snake river farm stuff. But I mean, percentage wise, like how much more would you think you would be paying uh, for the, the good stuff versus the run of the mill? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I can tell you, and this is, don't quote me on this. Someone will have to check their site. Um, go to snickerfarms.com or whatever it is. And I believe that these seven pound caribouda prime rib of pork, I believe they're 75 bucks each. Wow. So, you know, so you figure it's going to be, you know, a pound a serving. You're looking at, you know, 10 bucks a serving. Yeah. So. Ten bucks a pound versus what three ninety nine a pound, maybe four ninety. You know, meat prices are crazy now, as I'm sure you know, and everybody Whoa. else knows too. So, yeah. And there is episode eighty of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in ten minutes or less. If you want to hear the rest of the show? Head over to the bbqcentralshow.com. There will be a link in the show notes to take you to the full episode from March twenty seven, two thousand fourteen. While you're there, please, please, please. Make sure that you subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast on whatever podcast catcher that you would like. There, It's out there everywhere. That is very much appreciated. Just like subscribing, or excuse me, just like following the Barbecue Central Show on social media. That is very much appreciated. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I truly do look forward to talking to you again soon.